0: Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent, and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlightcom rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life.
1: Once upon a time, there was a girl who would become a queen of the silver screen. Her name was Anna May. Anna Mae grew up in the early 1900s in Los Angeles, California, where her father owned a laundry shop just a few blocks from Chinatown. She often helped out at her father's laundromat along with her brothers and sisters. She delivered clean clothes all over L.A. and labored over the hot iron, the steam making her sweat. One day, after receiving a big tip from a delivery, Anna May bought a ticket to the cinema. As the lights went down and the screen lit up, she fell instantly in love. From then on, Anna Mae went to the movies whenever she could. When she wasn't buying movie tickets, she was skipping school to watch movies being filmed in her neighborhood. When she got home, she often acted out the parts in front of a mirror. One moment, she could be found sobbing over the death of her beloved. The next, she was cackling like a villain. One day, all that practice would pay off and anime would skyrocket to movie stardom. I'm Anne Makasinski, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, a fairy tale podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. On this episode, Anna Mae Wong, darling of the silver screen, fashion icon, acclaimed actress, and the first Asian-American movie star. As time passed, Anna Mae became obsessed with the movies. She used her lunch money to buy movie tickets and she even sneaked out of class to go to the cinema. In the 1910s, the movie industry was still new, and many production companies had come to California. In Chinatown, Anna May often saw directors yelling out instructions to the cast and crew on a film set. She would worm her way through the crowds to get as close as she could to the whirring cameras. By then, Anna Mae didn't just want to watch movies. She wanted to be in them. Camera, action. But one big obstacle stood in her way. Most movie stars in those days were white, and Anna Mae was Chinese-American. Still, Anna May was determined. One day, when Anna May was 14 years old, someone told her they were looking for extras for a film called The Red Lantern. The script called for crowds of Chinese people. Anna signed right up, and she got the part! During her first day on set, butterflies filled her stomach. But Anna May wasn't afraid. She had been acting in front of the mirror almost every day. Now, in front of a camera, she felt more herself than ever before. When Anna May was acting, she said she felt like a rare flower in fields of sun. She loved every moment of it, and she wasn't going to quit. After years of acting in small parts, at 17, Anna Mae finally got her big break. She was cast as one of the lead actors in the 1922 movie The Toll of the Sea one of the first feature films made in Technicolor. Before then, movies had always been in black and white, and at that time, movies were also silent, with words displayed on a black screen between shots of the action. But Anna facial expressions and gestures were so good, she could break someone's heart with just one look, And she could cry on cue. The Toll of the Sea was a huge hit. And it played in thousands of theaters across the globe. Critics raved about Anna Mae's performance. And because of her success, Anna Mae gained contacts throughout Hollywood. Photographers begged Anna to let them take her photo. Her face appeared on hundreds of magazine covers worldwide. In addition to being a movie star, Anna Mae soon became a fashion icon. She wore her black hair in a trendy bob with bangs. She donned designer clothes, flapper dresses, and sometimes even suits and top hats. Anna May became the perfect image of the thoroughly modern American woman. From 1922 to 1928, Anna May starred in 25 films. There was one problem. Sooner or later, all these parts started to look the same. She was usually either cast as a butterfly, a passive young woman, or a dragon lady, a murderous villain. And most of the time, her character died at the end. As anime searched for better and more diverse roles she faced some big challenges. First, many states had laws that said people of different races couldn't get married. Those laws went so far as to even outlaw interracial couples on screen. Most stars in Hollywood were white at that time, so that meant Anna Mae could rarely be the leading lady because she could never get the guy at the end. Second, white actors were often cast as Asian people, a practice called yellowface. One time, when Anna Mae was passed over for a lead Asian role, she was even asked to teach the white actor how to use chopsticks. Anime was tired of being cast in the same roles again and again, and dying a thousand deaths on screen. She was done with Hollywood. So, at age 23, she sailed to Europe to make a new start.
2: have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called If
1: Many Europeans already knew anime from her blockbuster films and her glamorous photo shoots. When she got to Berlin, German directors practically lined up to work with her. By that time, silent movies were giving way to talkies, or movies with sound. Many silent film stars struggled with this transition. But with her natural acting style and warm alto voice, Anime was a fast success. German audiences loved Anime so much, they tried to persuade her to stay in the country. But Anime wanted to explore, so she traveled across Europe, acting on stage and making even more movies. Her popularity spread like wildfire. In 1931, homesick and unsettled by her dream, Anna May returned to the United States. There, she performed in a hit Broadway play. Backstage at the theater one night, Anna May received a telegram Her mother had been in a terrible accident. They didn't think she was going to make it. Anna Mae felt torn apart. She longed to go back to LA to be with her family. She said she knew it was unthinkable for a Chinese girl to be absent from her mother's funeral. But she also knew that if she left New York, it would mean closing the play, and all the rest of the cast would be out of work. Anime agonized over the decision all night long. And in the morning, she had made her choice. She stayed in New York. Her father was furious, and they held the funeral without her. Though Anime kept busy with her performances, her heart was dragged down by grief. A few months later, after finishing her show, Anime returned to LA. There, she held her own funeral service for her mother and was finally able to say goodbye. Several years later, back in Hollywood, Anime Mae heard about a new role that seemed like it was written for her. One of the studios was making a film adaptation of Pearl S. Buck's famous novel, The Good Earth. The movie would be the biggest film about China that Hollywood had ever made. When Anime auditioned for the lead female character, Olan, the producers said she wasn't the type. In the end, a white woman was cast as Olan instead. Anime was devastated. Then, the studio added insult to injury. They asked Anime to audition for a less important role, a villain. If you let me play Olan, she told the producers, I will be very glad. But you are asking me, with my Chinese blood, to do the only unsympathetic role in this picture, featuring an all-American cast. Portraying Chinese characters. Anime flat out refused. Again, fed up with Hollywood, Anime decided to make her own movie, a documentary about China. Anime had longed to visit China since she was young. So, at 31 years old, She hired her own cameraman, signed a contract to write several articles for the New York Herald Tribune, and set sail. Upon her arrival, thousands of fans flocked to the docks to greet her, and reporters peppered her with questions. But Anna May had a mixed reputation in China. Some people felt that her portrayals of butterflies and dragon ladies had brought shame on their country. But others adored her image as a modern woman and the most well-known Hollywood star of Chinese descent. For almost a year, anime traveled all around China, including to the village her family had come from. There, she met with her father, who had moved back to China, and he showed her around their ancestral home. Although I've been to many, many places in the world, Anime said, this first and only trip I made to China was the most meaningful After Anna May returned to the United States in 1936, she signed a contract with Paramount Pictures, where she finally got to play more complex characters. She also traveled in the United States and abroad, performing on stages from New York City to Melbourne, Australia. Soon, World War II made travel and film work nearly impossible, Anime told a friend, one wonders if one is going to work again. But she stayed busy. Anime joined in efforts to support both the United States and China, and she auctioned off her movie costumes to raise money for both countries. And somehow, even though work was difficult to find, she managed to keep acting. When the war ended, Anime appeared in several television shows in the 1950s and 60s. She even starred in her own TV show in 1951, becoming the first Asian-American to do so. In 1961, Anime was finally poised to make her movie comeback in Flower Drum Song, the first major Hollywood film with a primarily Asian-American cast. But Anime struggled with inner demons, and tragedy struck. Before they began filming, Anime suddenly passed away in her sleep. Her death was recognized in newspapers around the world, and many fans and loved ones mourned her passing. Anime Wong made more than 60 films during the course of her life. Today, she's remembered for her artistic range, influential fashion, and tireless perseverance. Anime fought to gain recognition for her craft and skill in a racially segregated filmmaking world. Though many people told her it was impossible, she became a world-recognized actor and performer, and the first Asian-American movie star. In 1960, Anna even got her own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Through anime's many talents, she paved the way for Asian American actors today. And her story reminds all of us to keep fighting for our dreams and believing in what's possible. This podcast is a production of Rebel Girls. It's based on the book series *Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls*. This episode was produced by Isaac Kaplan Wolner, sound design and mixed by Camille Stennis. Alexis Stratton wrote the script, and Ariana Roses proofread. Executive producer is Katie Springer. A special thanks to the whole Rebel Girls team who make this podcast possible. Original theme music was composed and performed by Elektra Barzaki. Until next time.
0: We believe that stories are magic, so when we find a great one, we can't wait to share it. Far, far away on the planet Florp, a baby named Bobby Wonder was born. But his parents relocated the family to Earth right after the birth, so Bobby grew up having no idea he was an alien. Until his tenth birthday, that is. Can you imagine waking up on your birthday to find out that you can fly and talk to ducks? (coughs) Created by a New York Times best-selling children's author and produced by the award-winning Go Kid Go team, Bobby Wonder is out of this world fun. Search for Bobby Wonder on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.